Hi, this is a quick heads up that this podcast will contain a variety of spoilers for a variety of seasons of Survivor. This episode in particular contains deep dives into Survivor's China and Heroes vs. Villains, but it also touches on events that took place in Micronesia, Token Chains, and Island of the Idols. Everybody, 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 drop your Hi, welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Cass. Hi, Evan. Hi. We have such an exciting show today. I'm so excited for this guest. I was excited for our first guest, Ozzy, but this one is one of my all-time favorite Survivor characters. It's Courtney Yates, Survivor China, Survivor Heroes vs. Villains, two of arguably the most iconic seasons of all time. I'm so excited to talk to her. I'm curious what your thoughts are of Courtney. I mean, you just met her through watching Survivor in the past year. I'm wondering, like, did your opinion of Courtney change from the first episode of China to the last episode of Heroes vs. Villains? No, it never changed, but in a good Mm. way because I was on board 100% from her very first moment on screen. And what's interesting is I feel like I can't think of any player that you and I are aligned on in terms of like have the exact same feelings about. Um, There might be others, but she is the one I feel like we just, and I think there might be something to being gay men and this connection Mm -hmm. to a character like Courtney, like a badass who just like speaks her mind. But I love Courtney. I was going to say she's so much the blueprint, but that's actually not the correct way to articulate it because they're just, Courtney isn't an archetype, right? There are not players that have come after Courtney and given us what Courtney has done. Courtney was able to both be such an entertaining talking head and carry that same energy into the game and into her her interpersonal relationships. I feel like so often, sometimes, we get wisecracking, talking head people, but then in the actual like game, they're a totally different person. They're really quiet, and they're basically presenting the sort of uh, what they really would say if they could when they do their confessionals. Whereas someone like Courtney, she would say it to people's faces, and she did. And uh, I think it's a shame that we only got two seasons from her, but to your point, they are quite incredible seasons and also she's nothing left that she nothing was left unsaid by Courtney my, my desire yeah. to have her back is just out of sheer missing her mm-hmm. um but tell me what you think because you went on the journey I mean you for me it's like I was prepped about this character that was coming blah 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 but you sort of experienced her in real time yeah yeah well the reason that I asked you the question in the way that I did is because Courtney is such a clear early boot I don't think that Courtney was cast with the intention that Courtney could win the show. And I say this with all due respect, Courtney very much fills an archetype of a pre-merge boot. She's not very strong, she's small, she's sort of weak in challenges, and is a little bit of an outcast socially. 
And so, you know, all of these things don't typically lead to somebody making the merge. But the other thing about Courtney is we haven't ever really seen somebody like her up until this point. We had sort of cool girls like Jenna Maraska and Heidi in the Amazon. We had the America's Sweetheart type with Colleen and Elizabeth in seasons one and two. But we never really, really had the sort of alternative cool girl. And to put this into historical perspective, China aired in 2007. So if you think about what was going on in 2007 with tabloid culture and the worshiping of the successful young woman in media, so you think about like Paris Hilton, Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, that sort of environment, where there was truly like a worshiping of sort of the young mean girl and survivor had never really cast we, we'd come close but not really cast that person on the show and i specifically remember watching china and thinking oh they have cast somebody who's culturally relevant and not only did they cast somebody who was going to fill a culturally relevant slot but they cast the person like they couldn't have gotten somebody better this isn't somebody acting that part this is somebody who this is their personality and you can see that come through and you have these great one-liners from her in her confessionals but not only that but she she walks the walk and talks the talk with her tribe when she in the way that she deals with her tribe and the way that she deals with the Jean Robert situation, which is just like disgusting. Disgusting because of him. Absolutely disgusting because of him. But the way that she is able to take down Jean Robert with her wit and her words is so fascinating to watch and makes her such a lovable character because this is a big guy versus a tiny girl. And she is able to identify all of his weak points and his ego and just stab at them with words. And you can watch her break him down. And it's so satisfying. I think it's worth, because you mentioned Heidi, and I think it's worth sort of looking at the differences between her and Heidi, because I do think there's a lot of similarities. But I think the big thing when it comes to the mean girl persona that both of them occupy in different ways is that in the case of Heidi and I think Jenna, because they were kind of like a unit in that season, one of their big adversaries in the season was Christy, who was this tremendous character, this deaf woman who was really at a disadvantage from the beginning because her tribe mates didn't give an F about her and were literally not communicating with her and keeping her out of the loop. And so we watched Heidi and Jenna treating this human being like shit. And it was not fun to watch because they were just so cruel and so mean to someone who didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. In contrast, when it comes to Courtney, as you mentioned, John Robert is disgusting. And so it's very vindicating as an audience member to see a mean girl use, you know, wielding her power for good. Yeah. And in that case, it's like, I don't think any, I don't want to say anyone. I, I, don't, I think very few people were watching that show and being like, I'm rooting for John Robert. So <laughs> I think it was pretty universal for the majority of the people watching that it was just so validating to watch not only this disgusting human being, but he also was just dumb. 
And yeah. the thing about Courtney is she's both incredibly smart and incredibly articulate and quippy and mean. Like she has a lot of different things going for her yeah. um, that make it so fun to watch her go toe to toe with this man who is just this total and complete misogynist and for her to just outwit him time and time again and then to watch him fall pretty pretty quickly and for her to go to the end. I think it's just, there are very few um, moments on the show that I find as validating as that one. And sometimes when people ask about like, you're like, what do you like about Survivor so much? I think that those moments, like when you watch an underdog like Courtney not only advance, but like do it in such a fun and unexpected way that's not just like winning challenges or masterminding blindsides. Cause that's not, I mean, she's a part of that with Todd and Amanda, but that's really not what makes Courtney Courtney. I think it's just the 360 degree character of Courtney. And she's just, there's like I said, there's no yeah. one else like her that's ever played this game. She's just so cool. I I am like intimidated to talk to her in in a really exciting way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Me too. Yes. Me too. <laughs> She's too cool. That's the difference when we talk about Heidi and Jenna. If we're talking about this in like high school group terms, it's like Heidi and Jenna are the popular girls and Courtney is the cool alternative girl. Totally. Courtney is the type of girl you want to hang out with, but you're also a little bit afraid of, a little bit intimidated by, but she's where it's at. So I'm so excited to talk to her about all things China, about all things heroes versus villains, and yes, the dragons. I'm also excited because I feel like we, I don't know how many interviews Courtney has done with gays and specifically gays that regard her the way that you and I do. I have to imagine that a lot of the post-show stuff that Courtney did was not with interviewers as, I don't want to say respectful, it's not even the word I'm searching for, but just people that revere her in the way that you and I do. So I'm Mm -hmm. just, I'm excited to bring our energy to this interview because we stan. I just want to be her friend. (laughs) Yeah. Me too. Okay, well, without further ado, here is our conversation with Courtney. Courtney Yates was a 26-year-old waitress when she was recruited for Survivor China in 2007. Her no-nonsense attitude was apparent from the very beginning during a welcoming ceremony that took place at a Buddhist temple, If Looks Could Kill. Courtney was placed on the Fei Long tribe, along with iconic players like Todd Herzog, Amanda Kimmel, and James Clement. Early in the game, she was like a fish out of water, or as she put it, a waitress marooned in a land full of flight attendants and Sunday school teachers. However, she survived the pre-merge game thanks to an early run of immunity wins by Fei Long and a decision from the tribe to eliminate Leslie Neese instead of Courtney on day nine. She went on to form an alliance with Todd and Amanda, though tended not to vote with them early on, instead putting her votes on Jean Robert, who she dubbed the Susan Lucci of Tribal Council. (laughs) Courtney's relationship, or lack thereof, with Jean Robert became a defining story of the season. Jean Robert's arrogance, delusions of grandeur, and inappropriate behavior towards the women in the game made him the primary target for Courtney though it was not until day 24, after Courtney won individual immunity, that her Fei Long alliance finally joined her in voting him out. 
Courtney went on to vote out Frosty, who she called her survivor boyfriend, and joined her alliance in one of the most surprising blindsides in survivor history when James was taken out of the game with two hidden immunity idols in his pocket. After Amanda won the final individual immunity challenge, Todd, Amanda, and Courtney agreed that they needed to vote out their biggest threat for the million dollar prize, lunch lady Denise Martin. In the end, Courtney put up a good fight at the final tribal council and earned two jury votes, which put her in second place to Todd Herzog. Five seasons later, Courtney returned to compete in Survivor Heroes vs. Villains as part of the Villains tribe. She quickly aligned with Sandra Diaz-Twine and Boston Rob, and though strong early on, that alliance was dealt a blow when Tyson was idled out of the game by Russell. Despite Courtney and Sandra suddenly finding themselves on the bottom of the tribe, they managed to survive one more vote before Courtney was finally eliminated on day 24, becoming the second member of the jury. At the final tribal council, Courtney voted for her main ally, Sandra, to win, helping to make survivor history by crowning the first ever two-time winner. Courtney was one of the first runner-ups to never receive a vote against them in the game. She's the self-professed biggest bitch on the planet, and she's the lead singer of the iconic survivor band, The Dragons. She is one of my all-time favorite contestants. I'm starstruck. Please welcome Courtney Yates. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we could not be more honored. We said this in our lead up when we recorded earlier, but you are the player that Sean and I both agree on as being one of our faves. Sometimes one of us <laughs> like one person, but we aren't in alignment. You are what we align on from the outset. Well, so, that is a mark of your good taste, you guys. I don't know. <laughs> absolutely. So you first came on the show in season 15 which to the uninitiated, uninitiated would read like you came on very late, but Survivor China is largely perceived to be the golden age of the game and isn't mm. even close to the midway point. I know that you've said in the past that you've never seen the show uh, at the time, but were you at all familiar with it as a significant part of pop culture? Yeah, I was. But so when it was on television, it was like, you know, the Stone Age, right? Like it was before you could record TV easily. You couldn't, there's no recaps. Like you couldn't. So I knew of it as just like a cultural phenomenon that people were talking about. One of my best friends was watching it. And I remember thinking to myself, like, can they do that to people? They're going to die out there. Like, that seems very dangerous. And I was like, who would ever do something like that anyway? And then like, <laughs> and then it was me. I was one of the people. Hello. So how did that happen then? So you, you get seen and you get cast. And before you actually go out there, do you try to catch up on seasons to figure out how this game is even played? Um, so I was working. I was wait, I was working. And it was the night of the, the previous season. So Survivor Fiji, um, they had the finale was in New York City. And Len Spellman, who's the main casting person, had a friend with her. And they had, like, come from the live finale and came to the restaurant I worked at to, like, have you know a late dinner and um she ambushed me and was like i've been watching you for an hour you have to be on my show it's survivor and i was like what are you talking about <laughs> and um so she kind of wouldn't take no for an answer she even said that i could go on the amazing race instead so my same friend who had watched survivor loved the amazing race and so i was like oh my gosh i'll do that with my friend because she wants to go um so that was all 
that was a lie. She was like, and she confessed later. She's like, we're never putting you on the race. Like we want you for survivor. But the time between when she met me and when we went, it was only a few weeks. So I flew out to the casting. It was already in progress. Like, so everyone was already had been there for like a week already or however many days. And I showed up late and kind of like they fast tracked through a lot of stuff. And then it was like, okay, you're going. So at that point they had sent me DVDs like physical DVDs in the olden days, right? And um, the someone I was like with at the time was like, "What? What is this? Like, we're getting weird packages. Like, why do I have a confidentiality contract to sign?" And I was like, "Oh, they want me to go on that show, Survivor. They sent me the thing. I'm not gonna watch it. I'll just do it." And he's like, "No, you should see this. You're you're gonna hate it." Like, <laughs> so, so we watched two episodes of the Pearl Islands. I was like the first episode and like the last episode. And I was like, oh my God, forget it. So I called Lynn. I was like, I'm not doing it. Like, this is crazy. Um, and then I got, I kind of got like talked back into doing it. I kept getting like talked into doing it. And I was, I was also led to believe that I would be voted off first. Right. That's like usually what happens. The small woman with the loud mouth doesn't help. Right. You're the first one to go. And so I was like, all right, how much money for last place? And then what do I get? And they're like, you get this much money, you get a trip to, you know, for six weeks, you know, all expenses paid. And I was like, let's go, I'll do that. I can. So I literally had reasoned with myself that I was willing to trade looking stupid on TV for 45 minutes for a vacation and like a little bit of money. So that I, that's the mindset I brought to the game of Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> my first sure season. so you weren't you, you weren't one of these students of the game so but i'm just wondering not. and i'm fast forwarding a little bit but after you played then did you have any interest in going back and watching earlier seasons or have you just no um so todd you know is one of my dear friends and he was visiting with me and i was like i had bought the first season of survivor on like a dvd set i was like on mm. sale at barnes and noble and i was like todd look, you, you want to watch this together <laughs> and he was like you're gonna get really mad if we watch this and i was like it'll be fine and then i watched it and he's like i did get really mad we had to shut it off because I, he's like they got sunglasses they got medical equipment mm. they had a tent they had like all this stuff and i was like this is unfair and they're like so um i've seen Pearl Islands, and I've seen, like, I know the highlights of almost every season, right? Just because I'm a part of the community, you know, for the past, last half of my life, I've been, like, involved in it. And so you meet a lot of the people. And plus, you guys know, I was friends with Todd. So, like, he is an encyclopedia of Survivor. He knows everything. He was guessing what would happen next while we were playing. And the producers kept being like, is someone showing him notes? How is he guessing what's going to happen next? But he just knew from like the timing of what it was going to be. So I almost feel like because I had Todd as like a partner, I never really needed to learn the game because we were just operating as like a unit. And it was great because you both were so loyal to one another that it was really fun to watch (laughs) the two of you play the game together. Now, early in China, we watched you struggle with the physical aspects of the game, but we also got the pleasure of watching you grow. At the final (laughs) tribal, you made the comment to Jean Robert, I won immunity. Did you win immunity? I came from the worst odds, which, hello, T. So I'm curious, once the game started, how did it compare to your expectations of what it would be? Um, I mean, I really thought I wouldn't be there that long. So, like, I remember we won the first challenge, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to be the first person voted off. That's exciting. And then I was like, oh, no, I have to be here for three more days. 
this is terrible. And then we won that one. And then I was like, okay, this is getting out of pocket. And that's when I started like looking <laughs> for exits. And then, um, and then at a certain point, and Todd always talks about it, like on day 12, and he, he's a super fan and like, you know, he's, he's adorable. Have you guys talked to him yet? Are you going to, he's like, Oh yes, he's, we have. he's, he's lovely. So yeah, he, he like, it meant so much to him, like from a pure place, like it meant so much to him. Like he was voted most likely to be on survivor in his class in like Pleasant Grove, Utah, you know, in high school. <laughs> um, and so I, I liked him, you know, and I was like, okay, do you want to win this? Do you want to win? I was like, I'll help you. Let's go. Me and you, let's do it. And he was like, yes. And then we were like on our way. And so that was when I think I became invested in playing the game because like at that point, and Jeff Probst also said by day 12, you're broken, right? So like you've been broken by the game in like a, in a fundamental way and you just accept that this is your, your life now. And that's true. And so I felt like, all right, if, if I'm going to be here anyway, which seems to, to be the case, like I can't leave, they won't let me quit, no one's voting me out. Um, like, let me help you win. Like, let's do it, me and you, and we'll take out all of these people that I don't like. Did you try to quit? Yes. Yes. There were several. Like, several seriously times. try? Yes. Yes. It's not easy to mm. quit. They don't, they don't let you. <laughs> there was, um, there was one, I, I, I cried once, and I, but I, I put my hat over my face, and I gave the middle finger the whole time because they were filming me, and I was like, I don't want you to put this on television, so I'm going to make sure you can't. And because um, I felt like I felt in danger, like I felt like everyone was so much bigger than me. And it was like every challenge was wrestling on a wooden structure or like being mm -hmm. drowned in mud and wrestling dudes who were like, you know, just every, everyone was so much bigger than me. And I was like the only person who's even close to my size on the other team is Ashley Massaro, the, pro the professional wrestler, like. <laughs> Can we please stop this? Like, if you look at a picture of me and Amanda next to each other, I look like her child, you know? Like, she's like this Amazonian woman. Yeah. <laughs> and me and Todd look like her kids. Like, you know? <laughs> so it yeah. was like, it was, um, it was, it was scary. And then there was one day I, I left and it was the day that Leslie got voted out and I cried and I sat down in the, in the woods and I was like, I am not leaving. I, I'm, I'm not going. I was like, someone take me back to the United States. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And the executive producer at the time, like, came out of somewhere. They, like, got him. And he was like, can you please not ruin our show? Like, if people quit, it ruins the show. Will you just let them vote you out? And I was like, sure. And then I get back to camp, and I was like, what if they don't vote me out? And they're like, don't, don't, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> and then they didn't vote me out. They voted out Leslie. You know? So the, and the production knew that. They knew that I was not getting voted out. So I got played by them. But also, thank God, because <laughs> we wouldn't have the Courtney. Like, I'm sorry for your suffering, but I'm thank also you. not. Thank you. Do you know what I you mean? You know, it's, it's part of it. And also, at that time, the it was so miserable. Like, it was really, the location was, was really difficult and the challenges were very difficult and I really like the rewards weren't that good like you really didn't have any food and 
Um, you we know, know going, you weren't a fan of the rewards. Yeah, they're, they're not good. They, they were they were very sad. I mean, now they give people like spaghetti, but honestly, like I would have I would have taken the spaghetti at that time. Um, but then, even going back a couple years later, it was it really was a, an entirely different experience. It was like they're the, like China and Samoa are not comparable. Hmm. Well, you mentioned Amanda and Todd, and I just I think about this quote that you said early on about them when you said I dislike everyone else more than I dislike Todd and Amanda and I think they mistake that for friendship I mean we know that you are friends with Todd now I don't know about Amanda I mean Amanda is the enigma of this podcast like we want to know where the hell is Amanda Kimmel Um, but that's a whole other question but where like where do you stand with Amanda and Todd today had you even changed your opinion by the end of the game on on that specific aspect you know it's interesting so like within a game you're no matter what you're against each other like you're all enemies right but you have people that you just that you gravitate towards and so it was not that i was like friendly with them it's that like i hated everyone else more than i hated them like that's that's true and so when they voted out leslie so leslie was like my first friend which upset everyone because she was a christian lady and we were supposed to fight and but we we got along they, so they voted her out. So now it's like three and three. So it was Todd, Amanda, and Aaron. And then it was uh, Shane, Stromer, Baron, Denise. So that was like sort of the natural split. And then now there's me. And now suddenly I'm the swing boat. And I was like, this isn't even a contest. Obviously, I'm going to go with Todd because, you know, he's adorable. Like, and, and uh, you know, Amanda and I were, the, we were like, the you know, the girls trying to like, figure out where to like what do you do with tampons out here you know what I mean like (laughs) we were like so those were like that was like my natural crew and we were all kind of in the same age group um but so that that's sort of what it was it was like well obviously I'm going with these people like so there it's an alliance now after the game is like a different thing because now these are people that you have literally suffered cold nights and like shaken together and like you've gone through this insane experience that very few people will ever truly understand and so now it's like everyone's everyone's friends whether or even or not they're friends it's like because you're it's like war buddies like you're bonded you know totally well speaking of one of your war buddies um we like to have former players of the game call in and, and chat with our guests and it will come as no surprise we ask survivor china winner todd herzog if he would ask a question and he happily obliged my baby okay. well hello my dear sweet baby doll it is todd um and i just want to say first of all how much i love you and adore you <laughs> and think the world of you um, so I am going to ask a, an interesting question that people may not know much about. So you've had some really interesting, bizarre, off the world, or like out of this world jobs in your past. So what would you say is the craziest job that you've ever had? And what exactly were you doing? Um, and then also, please tell us all exactly which planet you're from. Love you. <laughs> so Todd thinks I'm an alien. Like, <laughs> Just to be clear, okay. A lot of people do. And uh, I joke about that because you know, people are like, you know, you wear sunscreen. I'm like, I reflect the sun, okay? I reflect your human sun. 
there's another thing we, we, we you end up knowing people so well because all you do is talk to them out there and then afterwards and Todd and I have known each other now for a long time maybe not the weirdest one of, maybe the weirdest job I had was I was a historical interpreter at um, the House of the Seven Gables in Salem Massachusetts so I wore a, a, a costume and I, I walked people <laughs> through a historic home and I gave them a tour of, and they thought it was like a haunted house, but it was not. It was just like a boring house. And I'm like, look at these shelves. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That, that, that is that incredible. Was really that wow. Was really I love that. Um, one of the aspects of your gameplay that I think I, Sean, and many other people connect with is just how endlessly quotable you are. And I will say in 2021, your quotes hold up. I have a couple favorites, but I think one is when you're describing Denise and you say, quote, I believe that the U.S. hockey team is missing a player. That's probably my all-time favorite. But I also like when you and Todd are discussing who to take to the end. And Todd says he doesn't want to lose to Denise. And you say, are you kidding me? This isn't like welfare. Do you have a line that you are most proud of or one that's repeated back to you the most? You also have some really good ones in Heroes versus Villains about Russell. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's a more popular season, I think, just because of Netflix. But I think one of the ones I hear most back is, did you win an immunity, John Robert? That one <laughs> that one gets mm. a lot of play. I don't know. There's, I mean, oh, no, I do. This is a good question. I do. There's one, and it's a throwaway line, but it's in there. And it's when they did the tribe swap. Okay, so remember Aaron and James went to the other team. And, like, mm-hmm. John Robert was walking around all, like, in a, you know, in a sadness Haze, right being very like dramatic like you know having his like Macbeth moment of like I'm losing James and he kept being like my we're losing our strongest warriors we're losing our strongest warriors and so I was sitting with James on the side and I was like I thought you were our strongest warrior big boy <laughs> so good and then James was like yeah yeah John Robert and just like piled on James is funny Everyone should know that. He does not get enough credit for being funny. And they did not make, like, they didn't make it part of his thing, but he's hilarious. And so it's like the, the camera's on John Robert, and then it has to, like, jerk over to the two of us, like, you know, being in the corner. So I always thought that was right. funnier than, than it got credit for. But I have to say, I feel like if you are, if you're perceptive enough, you would watch China, and the takeaway would be that James is really funny because part of the, ongoing genre bareness that is the season of china one of the funny things is that he has this overinflated ego and james is stroking that ego but with a wink in his eye always at yes. you and towards the audience of being yes. like this guy's a total doofus and he doesn't even get he kept saying you're the great jean robert and and jean robert takes that as actual like he gospel. actually means it <laughs> so so truth. good yeah speaking of which the YouTube video, Courtney Tearing People to Shreds for 15 Minutes, was just put online last year, over a decade after you last played the game, and has amassed over 400,000 views. I mean, there are people who are YouTubers for a living that couldn't even touch numbers like that. Wow. I'm curious if you've seen it, and what do you think it is about you and the way that you eviscerate people, it's a powerful skill that you have. What do you think it is that makes it still looked back upon all these years later? You know, I haven't seen it because I lived it, okay? I, that's me, I don't need to. But um, here's just like the trick is like, I make fun of a lot of people and very often directly to their face, but they still like me. So there's like, there's totally. something in that. And um, you know, my I grew up 
a very influential person to me was my grandmother who had like just a venom razor tongue. And I, I feel like I just absorbed that and took it as like a normal way to act. And, you know, I brought it onto the stage of America. So I think it's just in my heritage. I just want to say another one that I love is when you do this impression of Jamie in <laughs> China and you do like sort of like the cockeye thing. Um, what I find really funny about Jamie is such a weird character in China. And when you look at the final tribal council, which I just was rewatching in preparation for this, she comes out there and she like really thinks she's doing something. She Always. thinks she's doing a Sioux Hawk or something, but mm-hmm. she's like tripping over her words the whole time yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the way that she does. And I'm just sitting there and watching you respond to it. And you're like rolling your eyes and you're like, I'm not going to answer this. It's like, yes, please vote for Todd. You know, I wanted um, him to win. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, how do you, uh, it's just when, when I see people like this, I'm like wondering, putting myself in your shoes, I'm thinking how frustrating is it? that someone like Jamie gets to pick a winner and like how do you even try to manage that uh, it's, I mean it's it's the nature of the game like it's that's what it is like the the people who lose get to pick the winner and it's like that's that's how it used to be right or I guess it still is now but it's like there used to be social consequences right and so however you act to these other people you are then responsible for it and um so I don't I don't, I, I mean, I still don't care. It's like, <laughs> she's, she is what she is. But, you know, we're all, we all kind of are still pretty tight, weirdly, because like her and Eric are married to each other. They have like a whole yeah. child that's like, it's like eight or nine years old now. And it was interesting because I always, I got along with Eric and then Todd got along with Jamie. So like, it was like, well, like an awkward dinner party all the time, you know, where it's like, you know, <laughs> um, and it, it just kind of worked, you know, it worked, but yeah. Jamie, that was actually funny when I did the um, the impression of her, which was really fun for me. Then all the camera people, they work in like three day shifts. So like each new crew that came back afterwards, they're like, we heard you did an impression of Jamie. Can you do it? Can you do it? And I'm like, can't you people watch it? Like, don't you have these? Aren't you filming this? Like, why do I? And they're like, just do it, just do it, just do it. So I had to do that for like every different group of people that came through. Yeah, it was fun. It's like tune in CBS, you know, Wednesday yeah, at eight. And they put it on. They put it on. They put that whole thing they where we were just like, just like slamming people for like, you know, yeah. however long under the trees, uh, the old days. So I want to switch a little bit more serious, but in 2019, during the sexual harassment controversy that occurred during season 39, Island of the Idols, Jeff Probst said in an Entertainment Weekly interview that it was an quote, unprecedented and unfortunate situation, and that we're all trying to learn from it. In response to that, you tweeted, in quotes, unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And as we know, it was not unprecedented. We had mm-hmm. the situation with Gandia in Thailand, and of course, what you experienced in China uh, with Jean Robert, which you were very vocal about throughout the season, both in confessionals and to your tribe mates when you were begging for them to vote him off. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what your experience was like watching the events of season 39 unfold and watching the response and Jeff Probst's response to that in light of your own personal experiences in China. I mean, the answer to that is like, they only talked about it because it was trendy, right? Like that was like a way to be current and they love, they're like, oh, we're in the conversation. So the whole idea that like sexual harassment was invented in 2019 
is like a really naive, like very sheltered way to like look at the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, so if, mm-hmm. if you, if you are lucky enough to not experience harassment, that's nice. <laughs> Where do you live? Like, <laughs> can we all go there? You know? Um, and it's, it's also, but it is interesting to see how the conversation around it changes because in 2007, I was, I'm a bitch and they put me on the bad guys team for like standing up for myself for, you know, to, by objecting to it. And, um, you know, and then in the 2019 one, they're like, oh, just vote them out. And it's like, okay, it's not always that easy. You know, like you can mm-hmm. ask to vote and, you know, and Todd is my dear friend, but he was not trying to vote someone out, you know, for, to mess up the, the pieces of the game. Um, you know, that everyone's there trying to, trying to do something. And that, that is the nature of harassment. It's like, you're just at your job trying to do your job. And now someone is adding this extra hurdle that it's like, okay. And now I'm concurrently dealing with this. Um, it is very heartening actually though, that people care in any way and that it is part of the conversation and that young, younger people are more easily outraged by things that I think older people are like, yeah, that's just what it is. Like, you know, and so in Survivor China, right, I was, a, I was a waitress, like I was a waitress at, a, a, you know, the coffee shop in, in New York, if anyone knows. Do you guys live in New York? Right, well, it doesn't matter. Anyway, the coffee shop in Union Square. Oh, the, oh, 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 the iconic coffee shop. Okay, where? The coffee shop. So it's like, it's known for having like, oh, come, you know, cute waitresses. So all you do is get harassed all day, every day. So it's mm-hmm. like, just because I'm, I'm, I can handle someone bothering me and like make it a funny joke or whatever, it doesn't mean it's right. And, you know, and I, I wish, I wish for better things for people in the future, you know? So I'm, I'm glad that they're, that they're doing it. They're talking about it. Yeah. That's really well said. I wonder too, if there's any additional, you know, mental anguish because you're not only forced to deal with this harassment, you then have to work with your harasser to win challenges and then also sleep with them next to them at night, all of the various components. And then on top of that, you can't leave them. Like there's no, I mean, sure you can go take a walk, but you're on an Island. And then also your friends, so like Todd and Amanda were my friends, right? And then there's a whole scene where they're both like, make up with him, get it together. And there's a lot of stuff that doesn't go on TV where I'm getting called a bitch and I'm getting screamed at in the middle of the night. And I'm like, and so that there's like a scene where they're like, well, we are, or whatever, the whole like, are you, are we your friends conversation? And I was like, uh, you are not my friends. If you were my friends, you would be on my side in this, but we are playing a game and you are not willing to sacrifice your position in the game to, you know, like stick up for me or whatever, which is fine. I don't care, but it's like, that's not, that's not friends, you know, but then look what happened to, um, Janet, right. Was that the lady who did stick up mm-hmm. for people and then it just like came back on her and whatever. So it's like, you know, humans are complicated. Survivor is like a microcosm of what it's like to be a human being living in a group and, you know, yeah. Well, I just want to say, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, fuck him. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, fuck him. First of all, fuck him. Second of all, the way that you were able to deal with it, despite everything that you shouldn't have had to deal with, is part of what makes you iconic. Because you're this tiny girl against this huge guy, and Mm -hmm. you're able to use your voice to attack him in ways that 
you are smart enough to figure out are actually going to affect him by picking mm-hmm. at his ego and little things like that. Yeah. And that's and that's what memory? made you so lovable. <laughs> the memory is that everyone remembers that I clown the shit out of him. They don't remember anything he did. Exactly. To me. That's it. <laughs> and and as a result of that, like you say, you're put on the villains tribe when you come back for Heroes versus Villains. So like what's going through your mind when you find out, oh, I'm a villain because of <laughs> because of what? Like what's going through your mind on that when that happens to you? I knew instantly because of my my winsome personality. I, I knew it because I'm like, oh, the people basically that if you look at if you really look at the at the breakdown of heroes and villains, the heroes are people that are good at camp. They're very helpful people, and they're like, you know, oh, I'll build a shelter, I'll carry the water. And the villains are all the people that are like, I'm gonna look like I'm doing something, so I'm not gonna actually have to do. So it's like, why is, you know, like. Tyson is a villain. Coach is a villain. Like, what is it? Tyson they didn't do anything to anybody. Like, Sandra's didn't do anything. Sandra didn't do anything to anyone. It's just no, like, exactly. it's basically like if you're from a city, you go. And <laughs> also, what I think um, is interesting, I think you guys will, will also find interesting. I feel like we're all like-minded in a certain way. The heroes and villains, there were four winners, right? So there were two male winners and two female winners. Both male winners were heroes. And then both female winners were villains. Like that is the definition of like ideology of Survivor, at least at that time. Without a doubt. I mean, so what's interesting is Sean first started watching the show when it first aired. And I think I told you, Courtney, I first started watching the show last year during quarantine. I'd seen the first two seasons when they aired. And mm-hmm using the 2020 lens of this show and as someone who you know my first love is Buffy the Vampire Slayer I grew up worshipping Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera I mean like I love women I'm a gay man that's like what I'm built on this earth to do to watch the ways in which both just the perpetuation of misogyny on the show and -hmm. also the way that you know the production itself just tends to favor men and the kind of machismo personalities that it casts. I can't help but be so disgusted. I mean, when these, ugh, there's just so, I mean, the, the men are countless on the show that I detest. But yes, to your point, not for nothing, I think it is very, uh, very Survivor-esque to put mm-hmm. the two male winners on the Heroes Tribe and yeah, without question. Let me ask you about that cast because, you know, you mentioned you'd seen Pearl Islands before. Obviously, mm-hmm. you played in China before with James and Amanda. How familiar were you with the the people that were playing that game? And was there anyone that you saw as legendary or that you were excited to be able to play the game with? I mean, I definitely thought, like, I mean, the ultimate legend, at least for me, was Jerry, like Jerry Manthe, mm-hmm. the original, like Black Widow, you know, the original villainized woman from Survivor. Um, and then, you know, they asked in the, in the beginning, um, one of the questions in the pre-interviews was like, who do you think is like the most overrated, or yeah, like the most overrated player here? And I was like, can I say myself? Like, I don't think I should say people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, that's, there's like, three and Sandra and like all these and I was like ah I'm just gonna you know sit in the back and not you know just say a couple of funny things and just try not to be seen I don't know um well I think that you played a very critical role in the season and made it infinitely more entertaining um (laughs) I'm curious because of the strategy heavy nature of heroes versus villains we don't get a ton of camp life I feel like Mm -hmm. it's just constant sort of like 
you know, gameplay, 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 which I'm sure a lot of the fans of the show love. But I'm curious, having been there, were there any sort of camp life moments, some moments with a bit more levity that you experienced that never made it onto the actual show? Yeah, especially in the very beginning. Like, in the very beginning, we did that first challenge, right, where we had to, like, fight in the sand. We, we landed on the helicopters, and then we had to play that challenge where it was, like, two-on-two, two, and Sandra threw Sugar's bra on the ocean, whatever. That ride home in the van with all the ten villains was the funniest fucking shit I've ever heard in my life. Like, everyone was just, like, dunking on everyone else on the other team. And the, whoever the producer in the car was, was like, he's like, stop talking, stop being funny because we can't film this. Like, <laughs> stop it, you guys. Um, and then at our at our camp, it was just like, it was really funny the first, like, before it really, really got serious. And then at the end, when I was at Ponderosa with Amanda, because she got, she was like two after me, she came to the Ponderosa. And she was like, you guys always looked like you were having so much fun and she's like even when you lost you looked like you were having the best time and she's like we never had fun we were never laughing like and i was like yeah it it's it's, it's fun over there it is like everyone's just like trying to get their you know their line in and that much is very very apparent especially when it comes to how little fun amanda was having on that note i want to ask you about some of the players from that season because there is no Survivor season that's stacked with the degree of legends that is Heroes versus Villains, not only in terms of Survivor players, but in personality types. You just kind of get a lot of big personalities, which makes for great television. Mm -hmm. I first want to get your thoughts on James, who played the game three times. You played with him in two of those times. Yep. Had struggled in all three of his seasons, but particularly in Heroes versus Villains, I think his status as a hero came down a peg a little bit by some viewers of the show. I'm just curious, as someone who knows him, um, he is not on social media. Yeah. We, many people, we have no idea what James is up to. We'd love to know. What's James like? My experience with James is that, number one, he's funny enough that he should have been on the villains team. And they like they fell for him and they they put him you know back to back in all of these um in all the seasons and i think he was just like i don't know i i, I didn't see him in heroes and villains except with the challenges but then we would kind of talk shit back and forth a little bit um i adore him i think that he's such a good person and i know that like i you know i know he was like perceived as being very nasty to, to certain people right like wasn't that part of the thing that made him like people are like mad at him now or whatever but I, he was always really nice to me. If you notice in China, not to be that, oh, I'm being that girl right now. He was nice to me, like, but he was. So I don't know. I think it's like he, he, he does not suffer fools well. Like, so I think he gets annoyed at people and I can relate to that, you know? Like yeah. I too am annoyed with people very easily, but I think he's Also not for wonderful. nothing, you spent time with this person. And so a lot of people's negative perceptions of him are from uh, an edit that they saw on a reality yes, television show. So Evan. I don't think you're being that girl by saying, this is my experience with this person who you do not know. So let me tell um, you some, some, okay, so, some good oh, James yeah, go things. Like, do you remember I won my immunity challenge and then I had to get up on the platform and he jumped down on the ground and then picked me up and put me on the thing. When we chose cheeseburgers over playing the game, it was hot out and he gave me his hat so I wouldn't, be in the direct sun um the first night that we were in china i was like dying and he would like block the wind to like protect like he was like very like like caring like he was of the most caring person that there was on our team like to be totally honest okay next person huh 
No, I he's love also them. he's also one of the hottest people to ever play Survivor. Uh, yeah, like a, like a not even a human being. He's like unbelievable. Like, oh my god! There's the scene in Heroes versus Villains when he's oiled up, and uh, <laughs> it's just it stays burned in my brain. You guys in China, <laughs> in China when we did the bath thing, when we did the bath challenge, he is the only one that used the shower. So he like he was just like in a shower in front of like all the baths. We were like, oh damn, okay, all right. <laughs> I love that. Um, we've mentioned her already, but I think she's just an enigma for us and so many. Amanda, again, you played the game with this person twice. I imagine you might have had a similar experience in that you probably didn't get to hang with Amanda much until Ponderosa mm -hmm. um, when it came to Heroes versus Villains, but you were in it till, you know, you spent your entire time in China with her. What's Amanda like? And do you have any thoughts as to why Amanda has stepped out of the Survivor verse? I think. James and Amanda are similar because they both played all three of those seasons together, right? So they did 15, 16, and 20. And it's, it's like, it's too much Survivor. They asked me to do season 16, and I, I declined because I was like, you guys, it filmed during when China was airing. And I was like, I know I did good in China, and I want to have a party with my friends every week. I don't want to miss it. Hmm. And then I'm going to go play another one and be the first one voted off, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to waste the thing that I did. And I was also like, who's, no shade, but I was like, who the F wants to be on like Survivor for a year of their life? Like, do you have no life? Like, <laughs> no. So, um, so if you look at it too, it's like they, I, I'm very loyal to both of them. Um, Amanda, to answer your question, is, uh, she's, she's a very sweet girl. We were cool from, you know, beginning to end in China. We were cool and heroes and villains. I would have flipped over and like honestly, if, if I had made the merge and she was there, it would have been like, what are what are we doing? Who are these people? What are mm -hmm. we doing? You know, yeah. um, that like that's that's how it is. Even with James too, you know. And I think it's just it's like oh, it's too much. It's like you there's the the psychological toll of playing that game, like and not being able to trust people, and then to be in the public eye and to have everyone's opinions on it. Um, so they both played in season 16 and then when we were all in 20 I felt like I came to it with uh, a really like lighthearted attitude and I felt like they didn't really it wasn't fun for them you know like it was like it's not fun for you anymore like your job yeah and that that's very apparent from the viewer side yeah let me ask you about Parvati uh, arguably one of the most famous alumni ever to you know grace our screens for a long time, the perception was, and I've only learned this in retrospect, the perception was by many fans that Parvati was robbed of her win on Heroes vs. Villains. Mm -hmm. and people thought that it should have been her. I think over the subsequent years, Sandra has earned more respect for her gameplay, respect that she long deserved. But this just goes to show you how people build up these, these narratives in their mind about how the game should go. This person deserved it. This person did not. As someone who played the game with Parvati and got to know her on a more, much more intimate level, but also you were aligned with Sandra mm -hmm. and ultimately voted for Sandra to win, what were your thoughts on Parvati and her gameplay? If it was anyone besides Sandra, I would have voted for Parvati. Every, like, I think that that was true. But what the problem was is Parvati never separated herself from Russell, and then they mm -hmm. allowed an outside person so Sandra did not work with them. And so it's like in, in when there's a final three, if you have two people that are like 
counts as one. You're splitting whoever thinks that that style of game should win. You're splitting that vote, those votes between those two people. And then there's if you're leaving an option, then anyone who decides they don't like that style of gameplay is going to go for the other person. And then if you look at Heroes and Villains, it's all the old school players like Colby. Like he's never voting for like Russell. He's not going to be like, oh, you're a sneak. Like he's like, oh shucks. I believe in truth, justice, and the American way. Like, you know, it's like, (laughs) so it's like that he cannot vote for those people. And so I was like, if they had kept Danielle, Parvati would have won. If they had kept Jerry, Parvati would have won. Because out of those people, you could see she had done the work. And she, and she, you know, like, look, that was a good move on her part to align with Russell. No one else was doing that. And she really... She did her thing. She would have won, but they, that was, that was Russell who thought Sandra, like he thought so little of Sandra. He's like, I personally think nothing of this person. So everyone must agree with me. And so I, I, you know, we got the, the heroes and, you know, me, me and Amanda had a little, um, you know, they all talked like, I, that's who I wanted to win. Like, I, I was like, I'm voting for Sandra. She's, she's my, my like my person you know um and then all the heroes voted for her too because it's like it was rupert and you know everyone who's who's friends with her and they were and yeah. they were salty about it they like the production didn't want her to win either i don't think and they was like well boo hoo, that's your game like we're the losers we get to pick that's it that makes me love her win even more yeah. totally <laughs> okay so one last player from that season who we just mentioned is russell and i think you can really look at the presence of russell on survivor <laughs> first in samoa and then on heroes versus villains mm-hmm. and then in whatever third season that was he was on um you can really look at that as a turning point in survivor mm-hmm. you know we were just talking earlier about the way in which this show favors machismo there is no better example than russell who the show really rewarded by putting him on those three seasons nearly back to back Mm -hmm. to back Mm -hmm. and is just this ruthless player and as you mentioned when it came to Sandra his disdain for her was all personal not strategic which I feel like makes the for the viewer it makes the experience so much less fun when you dislike a person when it gets to the personal level Anyway, you played with Russell you did not like Russell you had quite a bit to say about him in the confessional what are your overall thoughts on Russell, particularly now, you know, a decade later? Do you look back at it and still sort of just look in disgust? Because I know, Sean, I think I speak for both of us. Mm-hmm. We, we're not big fans. Mm-hmm. I think it's harder for me. Like, I know him. So it's like, I don't, I don't like, I, it's hard to not have, like, an amount of affection for people that you, like, had this experience with. And so, you know, I'm like, well, he definitely changed the game, you know? Like, there's... I didn't, like, we kind of, it was, I didn't, like, I didn't dislike him so much as I just was like, are we being serious with this? Like, what is, <laughs> like, what, what is this? And, like, I felt a little bad for him because there's, a, like, when you finish playing it, you're crazy, right? And so there was only like eight days or something in between when he finished playing Samoa and then he was playing this one in the same camp. And I was like, oh, you're, you need a doctor. Like you're crazy. And I would be like, he would say these things. And I was like, Robert, you need to speak to this man. He's crazy. Like, and um, I remember he came up to me on like the the second or third day and he's like, we got to get rid of Boston Rob. And I was like, you're not reading the room. I like Rob. Like, (laughs) why would you tell me that like you know I like like what do you look around sir 
person and he would be like he was like already in endgame from the first day and i'd be like oh so there's 20 people here there's 20 people like we need we have we need him like stop this so i never had any like really personal issue with russell i didn't him and sandra kind of got into it also though i I have a different opinion. I think when people actually hate each other, it's fun because then it's like, that to me is like mm. the true sincerity. Oh. It's like, wow, you're doing some shit because you just hate this person. It has nothing to do with the game. It's like, you just, you can't stand yeah. them. Like, I respect that. I guess my addendum would be, I don't necessarily hate that, but I need it. It's, it's when it comes to Sandra, who's one of my favorite players of all time, I think I get defensive about the fact that like someone like Russell, in my opinion, has no reason to dislike Sandra. Yeah. So if you're going to make it personal, have it be against someone that I don't like. But that then is also, what is the legacy of that? All we remember is Sandra clowning the shit out of Russell, burning his hat, totally kicking mm -hmm. his ass in the final thing, you know, and it was, that was you know, poetic justice, I guess. I've heard that on Heroes versus Villains, because the results of Samoa had not come out yet, Russell was convinced that he had won Samoa. Yes, he was. And talked about that. Is that true? That is true. He asked Sandra um, how much taxes got taken out, um, like all of oh, this no. stuff. And we were like, why are you telling us that? Like, why are you doing that? But then we also had our dudes we had Randy and Coach, and they had James, like, <laughs> they had James and JT <laughs> and, like, Colby, Colby. who I guess wasn't yeah. that good, but used to be good or whatever. And, like, so it was, like, it was such, <laughs> it was so, it was, like, it was, like, a laugh. Like, it was, like, such a joke that, that I'm, like, we, like, they, they cast it, so, like, we couldn't get rid of him right off the bat because then how do we do anything you know yeah right when we're talking about your one-liners one of my favorite ones is when you're talking about randy and you say he looks like a confused cross between jack nicholson and b arthur so <laughs> Thank you, you know what i felt like no one appreciated that line and another oh, I one, love that. one that i heard on the internet or i saw on like a list or on twitter or somewhere was um look i may me i may second challenges but at least i don't have arthritis i was like damn that was funny <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't, I think the fact know. that we got the fact that we got Susan Lucci and Golden Girls references, I mean, it just goes to show, I mean, I don't know how much you're aware of your status as a gay icon, but just the references that you pull out throughout both of your seasons, <laughs> it's just like, it has to be, it has to be, you deserve that status. And it, Thank it's, you, uh, my people, I, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's important. Honored, honored. Good. Um, okay, so you get voted out of Heroes versus Villains, and this is where the legend truly begins. Yes. Because casual fans may not know that you're not only iconic as a Survivor player, but you are also iconic <laughs> as the lead singer of the genre-bending Ponderosa band, The Dragons. Mm -hmm. um, so it's fronted by Coach and yourself, JT yep. on what drums and guitar or something. Yeah. Um, you guys recorded an entire EP of original music, which was just released in full last year yep. by Entertainment Weekly. So you can go and yeah. listen to it. I have. And if you've never heard of the Dragons, at least go listen to We Are the Dragons for Amanda Kimmel's rap verse alone. Um, I, I'm going to, I wrote her rap verse. She delivered it amazingly, but I did, I did write that verse from the big sky world. <laughs> Girl. Yeah, she's my girl. No, no, she ain't. Why? Cause I 
everybody knows that the dragons keep it real. We are the dragons. Dragons with a Z. I didn't know you wrote that. Okay. <laughs> and that, the, the rap was um, the day we were leaving. That was the day we were leaving. Like, so we're like wrapping wow. up, like getting in the vans to go to the airport. And we were like, <laughs> so Norwood was the producer of Life of Ponderosa. And he is a, a fantastic musician. And then as we all know, Coach is a symphony conductor, trumpet, whatever, <laughs> of all of these other things. And so we, yeah, we got, we started this, this like goofy band and there's also a video have you seen our video on youtube mm -hmm. amanda yeah. amanda candace and danielle are our video vixens they're just like dancing in the back <laughs> it's so it's so bizarre and yeah. quirky and iconic i just wonder because i i did read the oral history of the dragons that entertainment weekly did i think last year very lengthy and yeah. It's very lengthy, and I read every word of it, and I'm just wondering, because it sounds like everybody involved was so heavily invested yeah. that the game of Survivor was no longer of concern. And so yeah. I'm just wondering, like, how much, when you think about Heroes versus Villains, the most iconic season of Survivor, <laughs> are you thinking about Heroes versus Villains, or are you thinking about the dragons? Mostly the dragons. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like, every three days we had to go to Tribal Council, and we were like, oh, man, our jam session. Like, but we were <laughs> The other thing that was really unfortunate for, for if you speak to anyone else who was on the jury uh, of post-dragons being invented, they would come out of the game like all like shell shocked and in their their like sadness or like whatever and then we'd be like yeah that sucks do you want to watch our video we made a video we have a band and I, and i sing and coach rap and like and we had and they'd be like what the fuck are you talking about and we'd be like here and we would literally like sit them down and then no one thought it was that funny to her credit the only person who really had like i would say genuine enthusiasm or at least genuine enough to fool us into believing was Parvati. She was like, she thought it was pretty funny. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That is Survivor history. Um, yeah. I do want to mention that I put a poll out on Instagram asking for people, fans of yours, to, to write in questions. And we actually Aww. got a, not a question, but a comment from Buffy the Vampire Slayer herself, Sarah Michelle Geller, who <sighs> commented saying that she just wanted you to know, her and her daughter, that you are her fave. So I just <laughs> like, yeah, I am just goop that she watches the show, but also that she has the taste to have you as her fave. Oh my God, Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I followed up with her just now and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you watch Survivor. Who are your favorite players? So she said, besides Courtney, Sarah Michelle Gellar's favorite players are Tyson, James, Parvati, Ozzy, Malcolm, Cochran, Jeremy, and Jonathan Penner, because we know him, mm -hmm. just to name a few. And her other fave outside of Courtney is Suri. So I think having Courtney and Suri as your two favorites to me yeah. is like, that's a chef's kiss. Yeah. So we just had that's to mention very, that. Like That's very gay icon behavior. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of which, have you ha I mean, have you ever encountered any famous fans over the years? Um, yeah, I have. Survivor is like the weirdest thing to be a part of because it is it is bigger than yourself, you know, but in any way connected, like and then like just like yourself people get they are killing time at some boring part of their life and they get into it and then we're regular people so we're approachable and so you end up like having these weird connections to people because 
they're watching something they're watching you as a character but it's but you're a person too so it's like there's this it's like a really weird um aspect of life to like exist with like ongoing and then like it, it just it never ends and it's almost like you you never know where like you'll go for a while without anything really acknowledging it like and then all of a sudden it's like someone just like pops up and it's like oh my god I know you from tv or you're like with people and, and then sometimes people will like find out like like I worked a job for a long time I was there probably about a year before someone recognized me that I hadn't been able to shush right so like sometimes like people would come in and I'd be like Shh, secret don't tell anyone but then it's like my secret identity is out, you know, like some people know or I'll, or I'll tell them eventually. And then they're like, what, what? Like, I don't know. Um, rambling. Just but, watch. But yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have to imagine too, the Netflix of it all has impacted things because so currently for people that don't know, Netflix acquired two seasons of Survivor. There are two more that will be rolling out soon. Uh, but for now, fans of Netflix that have never seen Survivor saw these two, two seasons pop up over quarantine. And so a lot of people might not know 40 seasons of Survivor, but chances are they know Micronesia and or Heroes versus Villains, of right. which you are the star of one of those. Um, let's discuss your thoughts on Jeff Probst or Jeffrey, as you call him, and your Jeffrey. final tribal in Heroes versus Villains. I think this is one of the most interesting aspects of you, of which there are many. This No, interesting aspects about your survivor life. You often spoke for the audience at home watching during the challenges, saying things like, oh, Jeff, shut up, and oh, stop it, Probst. You also impersonated Jeff after the family visit, saying, quote, Todd, looks like you just got some bad news. What happened? You also infamously gave him the middle finger during the China reunion. What were your feelings on Probst both then and now? You know, me and Jeffrey have uh, an interesting relationship. Um, it's like, I know, it's, it's weird because it's like, a lot of people, I think the perception is that, that people think that he doesn't like me. And I always thought he did kind of like, but I'm like, I'm sort of, I have, um, like a like a, a kid sister vibe to me right and so i think he like it's not like a an archetype that he likes but i don't think he disliked me i thought it was he thought, i think i think he thought it was kind of cute right that i would like say you know say and he and when i went back for heroes and villains the first thing he said when we were on the location they did a little interview with um him and the producer the executive producer at the time so he went one-on-one -on -one and talked and I sat down and he was like, you know, Courtney, you have like this way about you that people just like, you know? And I was like, wow, that's like really a nice compliment from you, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but then like he proceeded to kind of like give me, like hassle me a little bit on heroes and villains, which I think people remember. But I think, I don't think it was about me. I think I was just caught in the crossfire of his bromance with Rob, right? Like he was very upset about Rob being voted out. And he was lashing out and I just like happened to be the target, you know, cause it was like, I was going to get voted out. So they had to talk about me and whatever. But I know I've heard from other like sassy type contestants that they try to call him Jeffrey and they don't put it in. Like they'll, they'll say mm. stuff. They, they try to like say like, you know, little smart remarks to him and it, it doesn't, it doesn't make the cut anymore. And I'm like, whoops, <laughs> like, I, I guess I ruined your like God complex by making, you know, so like you're getting disrespect <laughs> from like other girls now and they're like not showing it anymore to like discourage that. But, um, you know, it's, he's a person who he has a very specific 
type of player that he likes. And it's like, I am not that person. I'm not like, I'm not like the sexy girl who's like shaking my boobies for attention to like get the boys to do something for me. I'm not like the dude, like, you know, pushing a tree down and then like, you know, carrying the team on my back. But I do think that like, at least in China, I always felt like it was pretty cool. Like we were, it was fine. He was like, he, he would like, you know, come over and like shoot the shit like while they were like setting up the challenges and you know like in china we were all talking about like our situations at home like you know like the whoever you're dating you don't want to talk about on tv and then he came over and was like well i have a situation i was like nobody cares like stop talking to <laughs> <laughs> like, we, we are fucking starving to death like stop this and um but he had like a good sense of humor so you know i have no problems with jeff <laughs> well well speaking of jeff one of the most shocking reunion moments ever for me and there's only a handful because not a whole lot happens at reunions but is when jeff asks you straight out if you're anorexic which is insane to watch it was insane to watch at the moment but like watch it in 2021 so like what was going through your mind at that moment and what does it say about the show or even society in 2007 i think it's similar to like the me too thing is that was what was in the cultural conversation in 2002 um, maybe we can ask Buffy what she thinks of it, but like there was, um, like Tara Reed was and like Nicole Richie mm-hmm. and Paris Hilton. And so everyone was very thin. And so that was like one of those like recycled headlines on the in touch. And I remember one back when there was paper tabloids, right? Like a paper magazine. And there was one that was like some actress was so skinny. She looked like Courtney from survivor. And they had my picture and I was like, Oh man, that's so sad. Oh my God. So I, I was not shocked by that question. And also like the medical staff, they thought I was anorexic. Like they, they, they were like, you're, you're too skinny to exist. And I'm like, you guys, I'm alive. Like this is just whatever. And then it was like, um, like, you know, they had it on entertainment weekly and it fed into the show. So I think it was just like, like one of those hot topics at the time that they could get like buzz on. And then if you notice, there was a challenge where you could either play or you could eat cheeseburgers and I chose cheeseburgers. And so that, then it kind of tapered off, right? Because mm-hmm. that didn't fit with the storyline. Right. Um, and then, so Jeff saying that, I mean, he also asked Eric if he was still a virgin and he was dating Jamie. Like, you yeah. know, like that was not his best <laughs> night. Like he was really like, just like landing, like, you know, like bad, you know? <laughs> But if anything, I think it's just interesting, especially again, watching the show with the 2021 lens. And it's not just Survivor. As you mentioned, it was tabloid culture of the early 2000s, and it's present on lots of reality television during that time. But, you know, in so many ways, we as a society have progressed very little, but there are ways in which we have, you know, progressed. And I think one of the instances is that questions like that not only would receive shock and just condemnation from audiences, they would never be asked today. And I think that is. Like, just think, though, I was on season 15, season 13, they split people by race. Like, think of think of the, the mindset of these people running the show. Like, they're not they're not like the wokest group of people at that Absolutely time. Like, so and it's interesting comparing season 13, which was this race war season to the upcoming season 41, which has the new mandate in effect, which will in, which will mean that 50 percent of all cast for reality, reality television on Paramount will need to be people of color and sort of that mandate in opposition to the race war season just sort of shows they're both doing the same thing, but one is doing it a lot more eloquently and one is doing it with a lot more mindset around not wanting to create drama around it, but rather just to be inclusive. 
So yeah. I think we've made progress. But yes, to your point, I, I mean, just looking back on that season, it's cringy. Okay, a couple last questions before we let you go. Todd Herzog, your dear friend, uh, has not come back to play the show again. Um, mm-hmm. Never in an all-star season, but particularly not in Winners at War, um, in a season in which it's just like, why wasn't Todd there? So my question is, what do you make of Todd, especially as you mentioned, he is a super fan and a studied fan of this show. What mm-hmm. do you make of him not, I was going to say being asked back, but I'm not sure. What do you make of him not returning? Well, they told me and Heroes and Villains to tell him that he was in the mix, like they wanted him, but there was just so many dudes, you know? And that like Jeff also back in 2007 was like, it's hard to do all-star seasons because we have so many men to choose from and so few women characters. Like that's in print somewhere and like an in-touch, it's so cringe. Um, I remember that. And Todd is like, he's, we're about the same size. Like me and Todd are like the same height. We're, we're you know, we can wear each other's clothes. Like we're, we're, we're little people. So they, I think, ultimately didn't put him in because he's like, he can't compete against, you know, like James and Rupert and all of them in a challenge. So I think that's part of it. And also just like the the degree to which they have so many man crushes, like, you know, there's only, there's only so many spots for man crushes. Um, and also Todd kind of played a perfect game. You know what I mean? Like there is, there's something to be said for like, leave on a high note and you know, you can't. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think about JT and it's like, he had this great game in Tokachi. Oh and man, then, worse every time, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, stop <laughs> while it's getting bad. Um, so do you watch the show ever anymore? I know we asked if you'd gone back and watched the seasons previous, but I mean, the show is still on the air. Season 41 is coming up. Do you have any interest in the show at present? Um, I try to follow either reading recaps or I try to watch like the first episode and sometimes I'll watch the last episode. There are seasons that I have watched. Um, I'm not always the most diligent about it, but I I do like to know because if you, you know, like before the world was confined to like your living room for the most part, like, you know, when you could go places, like you would very often meet people and it's just like good etiquette to like know what they, who they are and like what season they were on and, and to be like, you know, to be a part of it. And it is, it is fun to it's fun to watch. I, I I will say I definitely will watch if there's more likelihood that I will watch if there's someone that I know is playing, right? So like when like Rob and Sandra were doing the, the Island of the Idols, I, I would watch that, you know, or when like um you know, the the game changers and second chances where it's like friends of mine are, are there, then it's just fun. But it is always fun to like see the new the new group doing the same thing. But at a certain point, it is also like, you know, you got to leave the high school party like you graduated, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we talked about some of the players that you played with in the past that you still keep in touch with. Is there anybody else that people might be surprised to learn that you're friends with or that you have, you know, that you're in communication with? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really good friends with Lex. Like, do you guys know Lex from Forever Africa? Um. Yeah, like he, I met him at an event and it was like, I always thought he was really cool. Like, you know, he's like beautiful, you know, like, and, but we, and we had friends in common, um, but I had never met him. And then he came to something that I was at and was like, told, you know, he was like, my wife and I watched the show or he didn't watch for a little while. And then he watched and he's like, oh my gosh, we just love you. And, um, and I was like, oh my God, I love you. And then we, so um, he, he comes to New York or before COVID, he would come and, um, 
we, we got in this tradition of like going to get breakfast together you know so we would like go have breakfast and like walk around the city and just like catch up and hang out and so you know we never played together we don't you know but we it's just like vibes the vibe check was there that's a player that should return i think that if if he's willing they should have him you know totally. they they dropped the ball well, spe- speaking of returning let's say he does return would you return <laughs> with him <laughs> I, I always say like look never never say never but pro- probably not but it's like if there was a theme that they like really needed they like really wanted me to come and do it you know and and I like my answer because they have called me because they, they there's like the joke they're like oh that time of year again court what's up and I'm like uh I'm like what is it like what do you what do you want what do you want like what do you want me to do what is it do you need me to do it like you know if you if you really want me to you can get me to but you're gonna have to you know, make it nice for me. <laughs> like, totally. I mean, before Winners at War happened, there was rumors of a Legends season, and there still are. There are rumors of a Legends season that persist. Although we've seen many of the great players return again, a lot of like the favorites, for instance, from um, from Heroes versus Villains, have not played again like you. And mm-hmm. I think that there's just so many, especially early players, um, that would just be so fun to have back now because. I'm currently watching for the first time. I'm on season 35 right now, and I've watched Game Changers and Second Chances, and they're so later season heavy in terms of the the returnees. And I'm always someone that favors the women from like the seasons one through seven is like Mm -hmm. just my sweet spot. Um, And it's interesting, we had Ozzy on the podcast recently and I, so one of my favorite players outside of you is Kathy. She's from uh, Marquesas and then she comes back again for the first All-Stars and Ozzy hadn't even heard of her. And I'm sure a lot of people haven't. And it's like, there are so many icons of this show um, forgotten by probes who who deserve an opportunity to come back. So we remain hopeful. I think that the game itself, like the focus of the game has shifted so, like, you know, no shade, whatever, but it's, it's really shifted in the early seasons. I can see why it appeals to you. It's um, character driven and it's a game, a pure game of social consequences, right? So it's like how you act is how you, like, you can't, if everyone hates you, you cannot win Russell Hans, right? Like, you're not going to win. But now it's like it's changed so much and like think of all of the things that have changed along with it like now you have kids who've grown up they've never lived in a world without survivor it's totally socially acceptable to stab your best friend in the back and vote them out and betray someone and then they'll still vote for you because you played good game good game whereas like it used to be more feelings right like right you lived with these people and it was more it was more difficult like so I was right on that hinge of um, the old school, new school, or whatever, you know, whatever the thing. So, like, China was 2007, and Samoa was 2009. They filmed it, and they aired it in 2010. When I tell you the difference between these two experiences, and the production was very honest with me, because I I was like, I don't, leave me alone. I don't want to do this. And they were like, it's not going to be like China. There'll be bananas and coconuts. It's a lot nicer. (laughs) And I was like, okay, fine, right? So like the, the, the suffering aspect has been taken out, <laughs> but I think the suffering also bonds you to those people because, and mm-hmm. it, it just makes it into a different thing. It's more like a nature show than, a, than, a, than like a board game. So now I think that the game of Survivor is very similar to like a live action board game. No one's really starving. You see everyone is like, you know, they still have their like, you know, they have like their cheeks 
still like no one's looking terrifying on TV. You're not like, oh, my God, I'm calling, you know, like people were calling to have me removed from the show for my own safety during Survivor China because my my face was so skeletal and they were right but i love that they thought that you were taping it in real time and that their they, calls they were actually going to have that's it. live yeah, they do they do <laughs> they're like how did you get here when do you go back like you know do they see you during the show? um but so it's like there's there there's such a there's such a change in like the sort of like the fabric of what the show is that i don't think that those players from back then can can live in the world of of all of the idols and the the hijinks and whatever because the things that make you a good player back then don't count anymore. Like no one cares if you can build a shelter. No one cares if you can like, you know, catch fish. They don't, they're like, okay, no one cares if you take them on a reward. That used to count for Mm. something. You know what I mean? That used to be like, oh, we're friends. You took me to, you know, wherever. And we had this experience together. I have to vote for you. They're like, yeah, thanks for, thanks for the food. Peace. Writing it down. Like they don't care. And it, and it's socially acceptable. There's no like, um, you know, so it's just, it's so different now. And I can see why that they, they keep it more current, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can totally understand why it makes total sense. I just, I feel like I'm always going to favor those early seasons. I really feel like heroes versus villains was the distinct turning point. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Hey, look, we're all still watching. We still love the show. I want to thank you so much. One thing that has to be said, because people listening cannot see you right now, you are so beautiful. It is just remarkable. (laughs) I know people can't see, but you'll see it on her Instagram, but you are just like ageless, ageless. So must be said, can't be omitted. Um, But I think we just want to thank you so much. You, I don't know if I would have fallen in love with this show the way I had, had you not come around and just made... People like me, people like you, people like Sean, we just feel so seen by you. Like Thank you, you. You represent so many people, and it's fun talking you, to you today because you are as smart as you were on that island, and your ability to understand the multi-levels of this show and the personality types around it, and uh, you're just a joy. Thank you. Well, you two are both a joy as well, and thank you because... You know, one of the things that has been interesting is like, you know, I thought this would be three days of my life on a vacation. And then it's been now like 13, 14 years. And so there's, I have, you know, people always come up and they, they share their experience. And the people who come up to me and say that I inspired them, especially if they were like a small child watching, like it, it is, it's so rewarding because it's always the people that I'm like, yes, that this is who I want to talk to. These are right. my people. <laughs> Right. This is exactly it. And the people who didn't like me, I'm like, yes, I don't want you to like me. You're bad people. <laughs> totally. Right. No, that's yeah. that's the good thing about being such a, a specific personality on television is it's like, I, I'm i sure certain players on that show, again, talking about the ones with all the machismo, inspire yeah. a certain fandom, which is fine. Yes. They can have yeah. them. Um, yeah. But we like our female heroes. Yes. Um, even when our female heroes there. are dubbed villains. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much again. Yes, I too also want to thank you. I watched you in real time on China and Heroes vs. Villains, and those are probably my two most rewatched seasons outside of season one. Aww. And so much of it has to do with you. And something that I'm not even sure if Evan remembers is that Evan, uh, when he's been doing his watch through in the past year and he came to you in China and then he connected with you through Instagram, 
that's when we were like, we need to start a podcast oh, literally damn. just so we can talk to Courtney. So that's your role in the history of this that's podcast. Amazing. So thank can you I very ask, much for that. Can I ask you a question, Sean? Yeah. How old were you um, when you were watching Survivor China? Uh, so I was in university. I would have been 21. 21. Oh, God. So Todd, you were like Todd's age. You're Todd's age. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'm crazy. Todd's age. That's crazy. Yeah. So to see like a gay guy that I identified with who would be like in my friend group, like I could see myself with. And then this girl who I would also see myself hanging out with. That was the first time I ever saw that on Survivor, like truly ever. So I don't know how true this is, but I've heard the rumor that they were, they were like talking to cancel Survivor at that point. Like they were going to be done with it. And then our season was actually so popular. And I do think that our season was popular because it was the girls and the gays. Like I, I, that we just like took over and um and we're like serving a different audience in in an organic way you know yeah i've said before it suddenly became culturally relevant again yeah. in a way that it hadn't been since the very beginning and not in a try hard way like in an in an exactly. like in a, in a organic way that's just like that's just how it shook out because Todd was so good at it but the the different what made us a good pair now i'm just now i'm just shooting the shit with you that what made us a good pair is that he knew the game better than anyone I think that's ever played it because of his obsession or whatever it was, but mm-hmm. he was so good at it. And then I knew how humans operate, right? So like, I think separate from each other, we would not have been as effective, but that we were together was was what made it good. And they had asked him, are you going to have him on this? Is he going to do it? Yes. We just actually, yeah, it's did. funny. When I went to him about the voice memo, he said yes to being on. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so they had asked him in casting, like, if you could have anyone to play with, who would you want? And he was like, I want, and also Todd and Amanda were both in the finals for Survivor Fiji and they got cut. Okay. So they were like ready to oh. go. And then they used, they didn't use them. They used them for this one. But so he had said, I want a skinny, bitchy, Nicole Richie type character. And then they found me at the coffee shop and then we were out there and they were like, Todd, hint hint that's your that's your and he was like oh shit that one like she's for me that's mine you know and it worked out you know how it did it was great wow that's so interesting but ask him about that because he'll have oh we definitely will yeah absolutely all right okay thank you so much you've given us so so much, much to think about and <laughs> you're everything we wanted you to be and more thank so you thank boys. you so much we'll let you go i love you Take both. Care. have a good day okay we, we'll love see you. You. we love you we love you we love bye. you bye bye okay courtney that was so much m- more it was more than i could have hoped for it was exactly what i hoped for it was so great to talk to courtney evan what did you think I mean, she's an icon, she's a legend, forever in the moment. I think she was so fun in that, like Ozzy, she had a really great memory. I mean, there's that one moment mm-hmm. when she was naming off the people on her tribe to talk about the tribal divisions mm-hmm. and the ease with which she was able just to name everyone in that split vote. It's just, it's remarkable. It just goes to show you how much an experience as specific as Survivor, Survivor can become so indelible in these players' minds. Totally. And I thought that she came to talking about the season with such an interesting perspective. So to be able to look back at her season with 2021 eyes uh, was really interesting. And, you know, there were so many moments that I had sort of built into the interview uh, to sort of set Courtney up to talk shit about her her tribe mates. And she wouldn't do it. Uh, She has respect for them. 
uh, for their shared experience. And I thought that was admirable. It's not what I was expecting. And I appreciated being surprised in that way. I kind of like, though, in that sense that it's like, for instance, we, you and I both were wanting to talk shit about Russell and we're hoping that she was going to do the same. And it's not that she didn't, but she was kind of mindful about the fact that like, there's the person in the game and then there's the person outside the game. And you might not like a person during the uh, 39 days or, or 26s that might be moving forward. Um, <laughs> but you can, especially outside of the game, but also with many years past, you can kind of look back at things and not look at them differently so much as just being like, yeah, Russell's a dick when he plays Survivor, but obviously Courtney knows a very different Russell um, than we do. And so I appreciate the perspective of these people's lived experiences as saying, hey, your perception of someone from watching this uh, reality television series from 10 years ago might not be totally aligned with the person that they are. Yeah, it was also so satisfying for me to see how like-minded we are with Courtney because you can watch somebody on a television show and you can relate to them and stand them all you want, but you don't know necessarily what their true opinions are and the way that they think and the way that their mind works IRL. And here, I think we saw that our minds are working in a very similar way and we're appreciating the same things out of this show. And that's so satisfying. You know, like they say, never meet your heroes, but Courtney, Courtney lived up. Uh, I really loved that she touched on the uh, the sort of like cultural context of Survivor China, which is something that we actually talked about right before we talked to her. Um, so it's really cool that she was also hyper aware of that and hyper aware of the way in which her casting with Todd and them excelling to the point of reaching first place and runner up in China really infused the game with a cultural relevancy that it hadn't had in a long time. So I love that she recognizes that. And I think it's a great thing to think about and talk about. As we know, and as she said, uh, Survivor was really on the chopping block at CBS around the time of China. I believe that Micronesia was intended to be the final season. So uh, I, you know, all the credit to amazing contestants like Todd, like Courtney, I think in the following season, like Parvati, uh, for keeping this show going. And credit to casting for pursuing Courtney in the way that they did, because it's clear that they recognized what they had on their hands with Courtney. There's a reason why they declined her her desire to go on Amazing Race and said, no, you are meant for a show like Survivor. And they had to pursue her, and they did. And it, it, it I, I appreciate that because so often, especially in these newer seasons, uh, we're either getting recruits or people, the Todds, that have watched the show always and, and being on the show is so important to them. And you have someone like Courtney who just doesn't give an F. Like she would, I guess she more cleanly fits into the recruit category, but at least I think in the case of a lot of recruits, they're willing to learn about the game in advance and a little bit more willing to play. Just they just wasn't on their radar previously where Courtney was honest about the fact of like, she agreed to do this with the understanding and acceptance that she would be the first boot. And she saw value in that. Like she was mm -hmm. like, you know, this is this, I see this as a vacation. 
I'll get a little bit of money. And I think, I was gonna say I appreciate her honesty about that, but even beyond that, I just appreciate that mentality, which is one I share greatly, which is I would never be willing to be on Survivor because I could not handle the survival aspect. But if I had to be, I would very much go in with the, I'll do the first boot situation, I'll do the next five weeks kind of living a life of luxury. So again, in the myriad ways in which I relate to Courtney, I, I, I like that sort of um, acceptance. And it wasn't like, I don't think I can handle the game. It wasn't even that. She just was like, I know how this will go. I know what how other people will perceive me and that I will be the, you know, the first one off. And I just... Yeah name another player that has come forward with that perspective and that intelligence and that wit i mean she's she's she is you know the singular entity that has been attempted to be replicated by the show but i don't think they've ever found someone with the dynamism of courtney yeah also one more thing before we go i think a huge revelation that came out of this is the sarah michelle geller fandom of survivor did you have any idea she was watching survivor not even a little bit my and you're the foremost expert or so i thought (laughs) i clearly don't know enough um no i i know her to be a real housewives fan um because we've we've connected about real housewives in the past so this doesn't totally surprise me also it seems like as Sarah, men- as Sarah Michelle mentioned, she's watching the show with her daughter. And I do feel like this is a show that is one in which you can really, this has like a family aspect to mm-hmm. it where it's like men like the show, women like the show, young like the show, old like the show. Um, so it doesn't clearly surprise me, but the depth of her knowledge, yeah. it's like the fact that she is mentioning players like James, for instance, who obviously is top of mind for us, not only because of we're interviewing Courtney, but also just we're gay men who you know, lust after men. So James is always going to be top of mind. The fact that she mentions him, I thought it was interesting that she mentioned Malcolm um, amongst her favorite players, just because... Well, the range of seasons also that she's mentioning. She's mentioning from the early 10s to the 30s. Yeah. So she, like, she knows her shit. Right. So, I mean obviously dream guest for my other podcast shut up evan but maybe that maybe that comes after an appearance on drop your buffs because there's nothing i love more than the idea of like talking to a really famous person about like one subject in depth so listen it sounds like she is a person with opinions about the show and uh it makes me curious too what other celebrities are Mm. watching survivor or have always been watching who knows but like when I did my piece for In the Know, I interviewed Jake Borelli, who's one of the stars of Grey's Anatomy, who is a Survivor super fan. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe like someone famous watches Survivor. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, I bet you everyone famous watches Survivor. And um, look at a Mike White, who is a super fan and then goes on. Right. You haven't seen his season, but it's one of the great modern seasons. Which makes me wonder, it's like, if you're Jennifer Coolidge or Molly Shannon and you're doing a show like The White Lotus, and you're like, oh, I'm working with Mike White. Obviously, you're probably going to watch Enlightened and like watch his work. But mm-hmm. I also would kind of be like, actually, I'd rather yeah. watch Survivor to get a sense of like what he's going to be like as a director, right? How he it's works. Like, exactly. So I'm just curious, like in the Mike White verse. And then also, it's like, I feel like you watch a season of Survivor and it's quickly kind of like, before you know it, you're like me and you're, you know, 40 seasons deep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wonder... Uh, who's watching it where is their entry point are there you know famous people who you know did the thing where they found it in netflix during quarantine and then you know went back but it well i think i think i told you this story offline that uh, mike white did a a profile and i don't remember the publication now recently 
um, and he was talking about his time on Survivor, and he was talking about how he was hosting viewing parties. And the viewing parties, he invited his fellow castmates, past survivors, but also A-list celebrities. And he said there was one that Angelina Jolie was at. And I want to see Angelina Jolie interacting with past survivor contestants. Like, I mean, what is imagine? that world? Wow. Also, one last thing I wanted to mention about Courtney that I thought was interesting was we, we asked her during the interview for Heroes versus Villains, was there anyone on that roster that she was particularly interested in playing with? And, you know, as she mentioned, she wasn't overly familiar with that cast having not really seen the show. She mentioned Jerry specifically and her knowledge mm. of Jerry kind of outside of the show, because for many people, even if you weren't watching Survivor, you were aware of the entity that was Jerry Manthe at the time and this villainous perception that she had taken on. It's interesting then to think, I would have thought that Courtney would have teamed up with Jerry Moore in the beginning as they share a lot in common, if nothing else, just as their perception in the game. But what's interesting is as I was prepping for today and going back and rewatching, Courtney was very, went to Parvati and was very much like, you got you and Russell and Danielle need to turn on Jerry because Jerry's going to go and link up with Colby and the old school players and go to the end with them. She's like, me and Sandra, we're the ones, keep us around, we'll stay loyal to the villains. Um, so I thought it was interesting that what could have been an alliance, you know, what it would have seemed like an obvious alliance just didn't pan out in the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It, those things can go either way. And I feel like sometimes it's el eliminate the closest competition because I think Jerry is closest competition for Courtney. Anyways, this was so fantastic. I'm so glad that we talked to Courtney so early in our discussion. It's made me so excited to talk to Todd. Um, and I just, you know, can't wait uh, to hear the audience's feedback on this. Let us know what you thought of Courtney's interview. Um, also, let us know what your favorite Dragon song is. Uh, mine is any song that Amanda Kimmel is rapping on. <laughs> Our DMs are open. Uh, make sure if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts to rate and review. It will help people find our show. Thanks for tuning in. As always, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Everybody knows that the dragons keep it real.